Well, hello. This is Senor Scotty Hines coming at you with random conversations. Today, I just want to chat a little bit about some pushback I got. <clears throat> Not even pushback. I um, was talking to my buddy Joe, and I was just talking about God's law, right? And over the context of society. And I said, just think if, actually, it's not even a conversation, it's a post I have on my YouTube channel. And what I was essentially saying is about God's law and how powerful it is, right? And kind of encouraging the church to look at it a little different. A lot of times we look at it as like an Old Testament thing or a bunch of do's and a don'ts, but but the post really pushes the image that it's boundaries, right? It's good for us. The law is holy, just, and good. As the Apostle Paul would say when speaking of salvation in the book of Romans, he refers to the law as holy, just, and good. The Bible is extremely clear that the law has not been uh, abolished, just fulfilled. And so now, how does that apply to us as a Christian? Well, let me ask a different question because I started this talking about an example. Now, I don't want to get into how it applies. We could talk about that. But what I mean is this. What I mean is this. Looking at God's law with a healthy perspective can change and actually encourage us to obey. That was essentially what I was going for. When, Like, take the issue of sex, right? And if people... Like, if society altogether would just honor God with the topic of sex, just sex alone. My argument is, I think I said on my post it would eradicate divorce. And if I did say that, that I misspoke because I don't believe that. Uh, I would I would argue, though, it would dramatically decrease divorce. I mean, dramatically. I don't even know all the percentages. It's something like 50% of divorces, or marriages end in divorce. I would say that would go all the way to uh, maybe... 5% of divorces, uh, 5% of marriages end in divorce. Because I think when you when you look at God's law healthy, it has a domino effect that goes backwards. Now, it's easy for me to say, hey, just look, if everybody obeyed God's law right now in society, we can paint this image of no, you know, fewer divorces, uh, very few adoption issues, and pretty much no abortions. I mean, there'd be no need for abortion other than legit uh, issues where you're saving the mother's life, right? But... <clears throat> That's like forcing the law on society as in general. That's super impactful, man. That's a super healthy way to look at it. And, and I think Joe said, let me see what he says in his post. He texts him and he goes, I'd push back here. And he says, let me say, I'd mo- I agree with most of what you're saying on the topic of marriage. I would look twice at the side effects you mentioned of staying celibate until marriage. But that's just my take. Well, the side effects... Think about this. Think about the the side effects. People at a young age. Now, I remind you, healthy perspective of God's law. So, a healthy preaching or teaching of them to our kids, right? Now, young men from a young age just instinctively want to get laid. All right, it's in us. We want that. But if you have a healthy perspective of sex, you're going to fight that temptation of you know when you're taught by a father, which you would have more homes because again marriage and sex is being honored, it's going to have a good positive impact on marriage. Now, let me say something extremely clear. Man is sinful. Divorce will happen. Crazy stuff's always going to happen. God's law will always be compromised. It'll always be uh, perverted. Get it. But I'm philosophizing, and I'm talking about theorizing about God's law being perfectly applied, you know, because I want you to see, man, there's a huge impact with it. But my argument comes from obeying it, right? You would then have 
the approach to marriage and the approach to relationships would be different. You wouldn't have young women trying to give sex for love, and you wouldn't have young men giving love for sex. Essentially what they do. They deceive girls. They smooth talk them. Women like it. They sleep with them. But then, now think about this. A lot of young men get have sex for the first time, and they have now... They have a... Uh, an experience is that's going to kind of interpret that emotion of sex. And what it is, is a woman is there to give him that pleasure. Now, I know I'm kind of straw man a lot of it, but but I, I just trying to, man, I, I just want to look at God's law different because it's holy, it's just, and it's good, and it's super impactful. And the problem is, is we, we take such futile approaches, like, we don't think hard about interpreting. For instance, we'd say, oh, I don't believe that because I feel this. As opposed to, well, why would God say such a thing? Like, why does God have a law? And then they look into that law and start to think about pros and cons and think about, oh, I could see where that goes and why God would have such a thing. I mean, we're looking at society right now, man, and there's like no purpose, right? I mean, people are redefining genders. That, just that alone, there's no common sense in that. And then you're redefining marriage. There's no common sense in that. And people are using emotional-based, non-rational arguments to promote such craziness. And people buy it because it feels good. We have to stop looking at what feels good and say, what does good? What's good for society, right? And even when you vote on issues, you can't vote. Um, the minority can't rule the majority. And so you can't just start redefining things just because a majority of people want it redefined. Uh, that would be that you can even take that to the issue of marriage. You can't redefine marriage because a small population uh, look at marriage different. Oh, you know what the issue of homosexuality. Look, you can have all the tax and societal advantages, but you can't create kids. I mean, there is an actual difference between the two relationships. So I do not think they should be labeled the same. I think it's good for young people to have clarity on where they go, uh, to have purpose, and to have. Like, like, for instance, again, male and female in his image. It's good for society to have this. It's good for a young man and a young woman to grow up with, you know, I'm going to have these manly expectations and I'm going to have these women expectations. Now, the part where we boogered is, we, you know, we made a lot of mistakes in assimilating people that we differ with, but it doesn't mean we redefine what we believe. We just have to repent and figure out how to assimilate uh, those who don't fit in that context, the abnormals. And when I say abnormal, it's not a dis. That's not a disrespect to you and what you, uh, your orientation. It's an observation. You make up a, a small percentage of the of of the normal population that makes you abnormal. So we should treat it as such, not like a weird freakish thing. But you don't redefine a whole institution over it. Then you confuse society. And that's kind of like my hope in life is to bring a little clarity on society. Just just rational thinking. Logical thinking, um, and then, yeah, absolutely biblical thinking. And so when we look at sex through the Bible, I do believe, man, if all society obeyed it, you would have a huge impact because you would have people approaching sex, marriage from a different perspective. It wouldn't be, um, you know, what we are experiencing today. You would, you would have a more closer to home, a closer to the Bible comprehension and approach. Now, look, man, cats were writing the Bible back in the day when they were receiving the oracles from God. They still disobeyed. Man's going to disobey. That's why it's super important for us to really, really take heed. I mean, that's why communion is important. Shoot, man, our hearts, 
Our hearts will lead us astray. We got to get to that communion table, evaluate our hearts, and, and take heed when God's pointing something out in our life. You know, super important. If not, we're just going to be our own God. Isn't it John Calvin talks about our hearts are little factories, uh, uh, idol factories? We just create them. And so, got to watch that, man. Got to watch that. So, what else do I got? I got two missed calls from my wife. She's probably like, yo, answer the phone, homie. But, um, Another issue that uh, kind of came across my mind is people I talk to about church, and they, they say things like this. Well, I like Jesus. I just don't like the church. Now, that one gets me. Think about that, though, church. That is an indictment on us. People actually have a legit argument, too. They don't like the church, but they like Jesus. Hmm. That leads me to a say, and I know I don't really talk much about that, but... You always hear people talk about, I'm going to use a political analogy, and then I'm going to go biblical. So people always talk about, why can't America have universal health care like Denmark, right? And they, they, they pick these Nordic states, these, these, this not even apples to apples. Let's get a few things straight about Denmark. One, it's a monoculture, okay? So uh, there is very similar thought through everyone. And second, they don't even have a military defense. So they don't really have to spend money on military. We protect them. That's a huge, huge advantage into some healthcare system. Now, apart from that, you want to argue about that another time we can. If not, I, I want, but I don't really want to argue that. I wanted to talk about the church. Now, the church being separated from Jesus, right? But I started thinking this through, and I started thinking, well, the church has to spend so much money on mission because the congregants aren't doing their part. Congregants aren't making disciples. They're not going out and, and representing Christ like they should. Um, we're too busy complaining about worship. We're too busy complaining about church fitting our needs. And so the church has to spend all this resource on discipling you knuckleheads, or us knuckleheads. The church has to spend a ridiculous amount of money trying to, trying to light a fire on our butts to do the basics that God commanded us to do. And, and if the church didn't have to spend so much money on just basic discipleship, the church would be spending so much money on care because it would, all its money would be freed up for care. Christians should naturally be on mission. We are pilgrims. We are on a mission by nature of our whole stinking message. Our worldview is on a mission, and yet we just treat it like it's some kind of badge, man. Like, oh, I'm just a Christian. I live this life, and Jesus, I bring him up when I need him. You know, he's like a prosthetic limb. Yeah, I use him when I need him, but if I ain't walking, I don't need my prosthetic leg. I chill right here and ramble. That's not how it is, man. The gospel is it's an all-consuming thing, and it's supposed to impact every inch of our lives. And that goes to show you, man, that I really question the prayer life of the church. Man, we stink at it. We stink at the, 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 simple, um, the simple abiding part. And we, we interpret doing for godliness. Oh, we're so busy. Busyness is being being on fire for Jesus. I'm I'm doing a thousand things at church, but I'm an a-hole every at work. I I compromise my beliefs because I don't want to think uh, through difficult issues. I compromise my beliefs because I don't want to um, fight or or have a conflict, you know. And and not, we don't have to walk around with conflict, but we have to walk around standing for what we believe in. We have to walk around at least holding firm the truth which God has entrusted to us. But we're not, man. We want to be catered to when we go to church, and we expect them to spend this money to disciple us, and, and we still stink at what we're supposed to do naturally. 
And so you want to complain about the church, man, I would complain about you. Let's do these things. And me too. Hey, I'm in this too. Shoot. I'm, I am I am all as much as a complainer as the next man. I want church to serve me. If it were up to me, I would pick either, um, you know, Phil Wickham or Citizens and Saints, old Phil Wickham, I'm a little vintage, uh, or Citizens and Saints every week. Play my music, play my hymns, you know, play it the way I like it. Shoot. Sometimes I want to pastor a church just so I can have control of all those things. But I know that's wrong, sinful. Just kidding. I would never want to pastor a church without control. <laughs> Although um, I could definitely see man doing that. Anyhow, those are just two issues, man. So we're looking at God's law. Let's look at it from a healthy perspective that it's a boundary. It's a guidance for our life and stop changing his law with our emotions. Find some, some authors and find some people who, who love God and put the Bible first and get a healthy perspective of God's law and how you're supposed to fit it in your life. And secondly, man, get out there and just do your basics. Do the basics of Christianity and share your faith. Encourage those around you and stop being a pansy. Stop being scared to stand for Jesus. Let the church put its money into, into caring for the sick and to caring for the lost instead of paying and pampering you Christian pansies who need another retreat like you need a hole in your head. Y'all need to get out on the street and just do the basics. Show the love of Christ in a world without him. Anyhow, that's cool with Ann. Hope you like it. Random conversations. Senior Scotty Hines. Oh, no, no. I'm not senior. Senior Scotty Hines. Because I'm a junior. My son's the third. My father is the senior. So I'm senior. You got to say it with that tone. Senior Scotty Hines. I was going to go with the name Felipe, but I felt like when people met me, that would uh, be a dead giveaway. However, my middle name is George, and so I could be Senor Jorge. Totally fits the context. Matter of fact, a cool story, when I grew up, I grew up in, this, in, in the city of Norwalk, and I grew up in a, in a barrio area called Carmelas. And, and, and naturally, all my friends are Mexican. I had a couple of white friends, Brandon, but he thinks he's Mexican too. And so anyhow, we'd be at the baseball park, and I'm pretty much the only white dude on the team. Um, no, there were more white kids, but I'm the white kid on the team. You can obviously tell I'm, I'm who I'm running with, and, uh, but everyone called me Jorge. It was the funniest thing. So you'd have a little white dude up to bat. Come on, Jorge, hit the ball. And uh, anyhow, good times. I liked my childhood. I was, uh, I'm a white boy who was raised by Mexicans in this beautiful country of America, and I wouldn't change it from the world. I even married a woman from Mexico, so I'm just keeping it real. Anyhow, hope you like what we shared. I hope you're blessed by it. If not, challenged by it. If not, then you know what? I'm just not as awesome as you. Ephesians 6.10 tells, tells us to be strong in the power of his might. Saints, let us abide in him and allow his spirit to lead and guide us in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Peace out, y'all.